Welcome to Career Revisionist with Dr. Grace Lee, dedicated to doers, dreamers, and realists who want more success and satisfaction in their life. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a fulfilling career where it's all about doing work you love and growing your income without sacrificing your values? And now your host, when she speaks on stage, she always calls it a performance, Dr. Grace Lee. My guest for today's episode is Ingrid Thompson, and I met Ingrid when she reached out to me and I had a conversation with her on her podcast. So if you haven't heard it, her podcast is called So You Want to Start a Business. So Ingrid is a business coach, she's a consultant, a mentor, and an educator, and she helps people answer very two very simple questions in their business. Do you need to start, What? who do you need to start a business? And is this business idea viable? So her, she is all about healthy numbers, right? And her, and her book is called So You, so you Want to Start a Business. And really, she talks about pro- healthy profits, healthy cash flow, healthy and steady flow of customer and clients, and a healthy sales revenue, right? And she's got this whole system on how she takes clients through to from zero to starting a business and making and turning profits. So Welcome to today's episode where I'll be having a conversation with Ingrid Thompson. We'll be talking about business, but more importantly, we'll be talking about career because of course, a career is not just working in the corporate world. Business ownership, entrepreneurship, those are careers as well. So join me in my conversation with Ingrid Thompson in today's episode of Career Revisionist. Hi, Ingrid. Thank you for joining me on my show. It is a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much, Dr. Grace, and hello to everybody listening and watching. Yes, we have viewers and listeners from all around the world. And Ingrid, you are a very special guest because you are the farthest guest I've ever chatted to. You're based in Sydney, Australia, isn't that right? I am based in Sydney, Australia, and it's beautiful. And you've been here, so you just know exactly how beautiful it is. (laughs) It really is. I miss it there. I think the last time I was there was in 2011. So it's oh my gosh. That's <laughs> yeah, time you came back. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. Get yourself on an air, aircraft and head yourself over here. <laughs> <laughs> so if you haven't, the backstory, you know, the way you and I met, you know, a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was on your podcast, right? And yeah. So I was on your podcast and then we had a really lovely conversation. I thought, well, you know, this is wonderful. How about I invite you on the show, share your story. We can gather some of your insights as well. So Ingrid, if you could tell my listeners, tell my viewers as well, a little bit about your background. You know, you have a very interesting background in Australia, what you're doing now, your business today. Just tell us, uh, um, tell us about yourself. Oh, thank you so much. And yes, uh, I think when we were talking in your podcast, in the interview, it, it was so much like a conversation rather than an interview, wasn't it? I mean, we sort of went a bit off topic a few times, but that doesn't, I mean, that's what it is, isn't it? Um, so thank you so much for, um, you know, inviting me. So I started life, um, I, I'm a big sister, so I, I have a younger sister. And I think there's something about, um, we were immigrant, an immigrant family. We came here when Lisa and I were little. Uh, my parents are from the UK. We came to Australia, no relatives, no support network. And it was just us. And I think growing up like that has given me a level of independence that, um, you know, I might not have otherwise had. And I don't know, maybe I would have if I'd grown up with all my cousins and all my grandparents and all of that kind of thing. And so now I feel like the work I do is really around helping people make good decisions. And I work with people who are getting started in business, people who are in business, and I help them make really good decisions. I don't make the decisions for them, but we go through processes. And really for me, that's 
what I think coaching is because I've ended up being a coach. And I see that as being a bit like the combination of the school tutor that I was, of the, um, the, the team leader or the influence that I was when I worked in the corporate world, the big sister, the girl guide, the YWCA, big sister program, like all of this that I've done for quite a few years, um, is is what's brought me to what I am today. And, you know, I've got a strong financial background. Um, I trained as an accountant. I went back and did my master's um, in coaching psychology. So, I've, you know, I've, I love learning and, you know, I had the opportunity in the corporate world. I worked for one of Australia's largest companies just after a big merger and we were working on a program to help the two teams come together. And I was fascinated by the way this program influenced how people felt about themselves and how they felt about the company, that they'd walk in at the beginning of two days and they would just be glaring at the other team and they would, and what we did to them over the two days, by the end of it, they just had a completely different sense of who they were, how the company was. And the woman who developed this program, I was fascinated. So I went back to uni and I studied adult learning and I understood how we actually bring about change by delivering training programs and giving people the opportunity to explore various aspects of themselves and the company and understanding more. So I, that really sparked my energy and enthusiasm for um, helping people make transitions from, and we have to, like from where they are to where they want to be. And, you know, I think that's what most people are looking for today, you know, that they, they're where they are and, you know, lots of people can be really happy to be where they are, but they still have to make decisions. They still have to plan for their futures. And um, so I, I just love working with people to help them understand more about money and finance in their business, in their personal lives, and then, um, you know, how to actually grow what it is they want to grow, whether that's themselves or I'm not a life coach, um, more around business, you know, processes and systems. Yeah, so, you know, as it sounds like, I do a lot of different things because I'm interested in a lot of things. I love staying up to date with what's going on in the world. But I think business is the way a lot of people are expressing themselves today. You know, the corporate world is fantastic. And I'm, I, I had a fantastic time in the co- corporate world. I'm not one of those, is it a refugee from the corporate world, <laughs> you know, <laughs> who wants to escape? Maybe I did want to escape when I was there, but I've got these rose-tinted glasses about my corporate experience. You know, I was made redundant twice, but, you know, I... Um, I forged and crafted and cut out a new life for myself both times. And so, you know, I know what it's like to have that happen. Um, And life goes on and, you know, (laughs) you just, you turn and face that direction and you head off over there. So, yeah, and I think I'm really good at helping people to um, understand what it is that they're working with and how they actually can take charge of it. Yeah. Hmm. I like what you said earlier when you said that it sounds like I do a lot of things, but it's because I have a lot of interests. Right. And so I I actually meet with, and I work with a lot of people and clients who are saying, well, I don't think I'm passionate about any one thing in particular. You know, I Mm. am a a multi-potentiate, you know, that term, right? Multi-potentiate. So how do I pick one? So maybe you can walk us through that. How did you decide to start this business? You know, you business by the numbers, you know, the podcast that you have, the way that you help people, how did you decide to, choose this avenue when you are a multi-potentiate? Yeah, it's such a great question because it doesn't just happen, you know, in terms of where I am still interested in lots of different things. The truth is in a business, it's important to um, have a clear avatar, to have a clear audience because that's who you actually talk to in the business. So 
right now my business is focused more on people who want to get started in a business or people who are in the early stage of business. And I came to that because some years ago I was running a, a workshop for a community college and they were at people who wanted to start a business. And over the couple of years that I ran the program, I noticed that it changed. The sorts of people who were coming had changed. And I, um, I thought, this is interesting. It's not just... Um, the hairdresser wanting to learn how to run their own hairdresser salon. You know, it's the accountant who actually wants to be a photographer or it's the police person who wants to have their own yoga school. So it's these people looking for something else. And that's five or six years ago. And now, of course, you know, pretty much every second person has a side hustle. You know, people are interested in things. You know, we watch TV shows about that. But a really um, salient moment happened for me in the same 24 hours three of my greatest supporters said to me Ingrid we have no idea what you do and I had been running my business healthy numbers for 10 years nearly by that point and my sister my best friend and one of my best co-coaching kind of buddies said to me you know we would do anything we could to help you promote your business but we don't understand what you do and that was because I was trying to be too many things to too many people. I was responding to what people asked for. And it was in that moment that I decided, Ingrid, you have to choose something and someone to work with exclusively. It doesn't mean I can't do any of the other things. It doesn't mean that I have to um, never work with any of the other people or not be interested widely in what I do, but having a niche. And then what's evolved over the last year is this, what is the actual key skill that I have, if I have to say in three or four words, what is it I do? And I truly think it is I help people make good decisions. And so to distill down, and then when who are those people? They're people in the early stage of business or people wanting to get started in business. And so I know how to help them work through that process. Now, it doesn't stop me helping someone who's been in business 10 years, um, you know, talk to them about their business, but that is who my avatar is and who I'm talking to. And I know who she is. You know, she's, she's I know her. She's, <laughs> we've been together for a really long time now. So, you know, and, and that's who I talk to. Um, yeah, so that's how it, it, it came about because... Somebody said, I don't know what you do. That really was a really big pivotal moment for me that in the same 24 hours, three women that I cared, that cared enormously for me, couldn't help me because they couldn't understand what I do. Yes, yes. And that's a very important lesson, you know, as a career coach, you know, a career coach or executive coach. I have a lot of, not that they're beginning, the beginning stages of their career, but they kind of feel like it's time for something new. It's time for a change, but I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want to transition into. And I always say that there's a strong parallel between starting a career, growing a career and starting a business and growing a business. It's the same thing with your, your, your job, your, your career, you have an offer, you have a service and you also have yourself and you have yeah. to know who you serve, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, exactly. So I'm curious. I mean, when you say that uh, you serve, if you serve everyone, you end up serving nobody, right? That's right. And, but the thing is immediately, it's so easy to get caught up in, well, I don't want to choose one because then that cuts off my options and I want to keep my options open. Right, so speak to us about that a little bit. For someone who well, might be, you know. yeah, it, and, and it's something I speak to people about frequently. So, you know, I think Apple is a great example. Like how many people have an Apple phone or have an Apple Mac or have an Apple? They, but they have a clear 
avatar about who they're – now, I don't know. I'm not privy to, Avi, to Apple's marketing behind the scenes. But, you know, in the 90s when Apple first started out, they – there's no way in the world I was an Apple person. I mean, to me, it was that coloured bubble and it was, you know, it was a geeky person who was incredibly creative, you know, maybe an architect. I didn't really even have an idea, but I knew it wasn't me. Whereas now I am in the architecture of Apple so deeply that, you know, there's nothing else for me. So Apple clearly has that avatar still of whatever it is. But I'm their avatar and so is the man who lives up the street that's half my age and so is the person that sits beside me on the train that comes from another country altogether. So, you know, Apple still appeals to everybody. But at the beginning, they actually were a much narrower avatar niche. And so I think we look at something like Apple and say how successful they are and they appeal to everyone but they didn't always. And I think that's, if you go back to the beginning of a really successful business, they've started in a niche and then they've expanded that. And so, um, you know, that's what I would say to somebody who um, is is fearful of doing that um, because, because they're not talking to anyone if they're talking to everyone. Um, and, and, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't work with someone else in the meantime. So, you know, I work with, say, Pilates instructors and say somebody who actually wants to work with um, people rehabilitating after a running injury. Say that's their absolutely ideal avatar. But somebody comes in that needs some work on their shoulders. You don't say, oh, no, sorry, I can't see you because you haven't got a running injury. Now, that's not the point of the avatar. It still means you can take the clients from the other work, but it means that when you're writing your blog, when you're putting your things on Instagram, when you're talking in your promotional material, mm-hmm. you're talking to the person with the running injury. Mm-hmm. That's that right. Sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. okay. So, okay, this is career revisionist, right? This is the career revisionist show, the career revisionist podcast. And when most people think about career, they think, oh, it's a nine to five job or a corporate job. You're working for somebody else, right? But entrepreneurship is a career too. Business Absolutely. is a career too. So a career spans what you do. But what I'm talking about here is a career that leads to a vocation, which is your true calling. It aligns mm. with your mission and your purpose, right? And mm. you hear all the time, social media and, and out in the news, these motivational quotes on Instagram, they say, oh, are you sick of your nine to five job? Are you sick of your boss? Then start a business. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious. I'd love to hear from you, Ingrid. What do you think about that? If people are sick and tired of their job, if they're feeling burned out, should they? Should everyone just start a business? Well, they're going to work a lot harder in their own business than they ever worked in their nine to five. That's the first thing I would say. Like, get real people. You are seriously. You will never work so hard as you do in your job. And the truth is, um, there's a few. Like, it's fabulous. I wouldn't. Well, I might go back to the corporate world sometime. I don't know. But I. But you know, there's there's things about having your own business that you don't know. So the first thing I would say to someone who wants to start their own business is if it's in an area that you've never really had anything to do with, go and work in that area. So if you're a corporate person and you want to open a flower shop, go and do part-time work in a flower shop or go and help someone out at the markets at the flowers. So you actually get a sense of what it is because when we go into a flower shop and we smell the flowers and we say how nice it is and we buy a bunch and they get wrapped up and we take them home, that's not what's involved in running a flower shop you know it's early mornings your arms are in water all the time you're cutting you know there's there's a lot of physicality involved in that business the same with yoga the same with you know running a coffee shop you don't just sit drinking cappuccinos and lattes lattes all day so 
the first thing I'd say, if you've never had the experience in the business you're thinking of starting, go and get and, you know, go and work part-time, do some work experience, <laughs> no matter how old you are. Like get, get a sense of what that's like because the outside can look like this and the inside can sometimes be very different. The other thing is that when you're not in the corporate world, now whether that corporate world is a, a company with hundreds of thousands or thousands of employees or whether you're working in someone else's small business where there's not so many, the truth is there's people who do other stuff. And when you're in your own business, you have to do everything. You are the IT department when things don't work on the computer. There's no IT guy at the end of a, you know, dial three digits and you've got the IT department. You know, there's, it, it, you are everything. And, um, and that's one of the reasons that when I say you'll never work harder is it, that's part of why because you're the marketing person, you're the admin, you know, you're the accountant, you're the bookkeeper, you're, you're the compliance person, the regulations, there's a lot to do. That said... It is the greatest personal development program you can ever sign up for is having your own business. So, you know, it, it's, it, you learn. And, and if one of your frustrations from um, being in the corporate world is that you're not being challenged or you're not learning or you're not working with the sort of people you want, the joy of starting your own business is that you will be learning every single moment, every step of the way. So that, that need for learning can be very much taken care of by starting a business. And really, what does the business mean? Is it something that you can do as a side hustle? Is it something you can do as a kind of a hobby that transitions to being a business and earning money? Or are you taking your paycheck over here and wanting to generate something that will create a paycheck over here? And so, you know, that's a completely different thing. You know, how do you actually set that up so that there's the money coming in every week, every month? And what do you do if it doesn't? Because it takes a while to get some traction um, even the ones that look like overnight success, you know, they've been working away in the background or they, you know, they've had enormous contacts that they've brought from their corporate world. Uh, you know, most people take a few years to get some traction. So, yeah, it's look, it's it's the ebb and flow, the ups and downs, pros and cons. It just, you know, but I think it's about being realistic about and, and I'm a realist. Um, it's being realistic about, um, you know, just what is involved. Yeah. And that said, it's fantastic. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess to sum it up is that you just have to be prepared to accept the downfalls and not just the the advantages and the benefits of it because there's down, downfalls to that too. And if there is. You, yeah. And the reasons are important, right? If you're going into business to escape something rather than to intentionally build something, mm. then the foundation is already not not strong. It's right. It's not the um, a, a healthy foundation. It's interesting when I, um, in my podcast, I always ask people if they could go back to the beginning, is there something they would have done differently? And it's not with that sort of idea of, oh, dang, you know, I did the wrong thing. It's more around, well, you know, if you'd known this and you could have. And very few really successful businesses see failure as failure. They see it as the learning. And I think that's another really important approach is you're not going to get it right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's just a given. You don't, you've never done it before. You know, it's like anything. If you're learning to rock climb or you're learning to swim or, you know, you're not going to get it right the first time you do it. And the same in business, there's things are going to go wrong. Um, just, you know, hopefully they're not too expensive and hopefully they don't hurt your heart too much because <laughs> there'll be some tears and 
you know, yeah. So it's just the reality of it and then just accept that that is it. And if you need a little teeny pity party for a while and then have a strategy for moving on, you know, surround yourself with the right people, have a great coach, you know, have have an outlet for doing it, you know, go for a run around the park, go and take the dog out for a walk, you know, go do something to distract yourself and then come back and tackle it again um, with renewed energy. So, yeah. You see, I, I'm going to rock the boat a little bit here. You say, hopefully it doesn't hurt you so much. Hopefully it doesn't, it doesn't hurt you so much. I say you hope that it does. Because when you do, first of all, that pain of, oh my gosh, I lost this, what you call, you, you paid that tax, that dumb tax, right? That, of a mistake that you made. First of all, you, and better be sure you'll never do it again. That, that, that's for sure. And secondly, it adds a richness, richness to your experience. Mm. I agree with you. Yeah. 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 And it's funny because even as I talked about that, I was thinking of a particular painful experience that I had. And I remember coming home <laughs> and I just melted. Like I just, I, I don't melt down very often, but I remember coming home and just, I was just unbelievable that I had made such a huge mistake. Um, and I held it together till I got through my front door. And then that was just when I was able to really, uh, but the pain of that, you're right. Yeah. Let's not make that mistake again. Mm. That's right. <laughs> and, and that's the thing though. I love what you said, because you got to go into business with the realistic expectations and a realistic mm. expectation of what it really is and what it really isn't instead of a fantasy and a fiction of what it could be and what you hope it would be because hope is not a strategy, right? Mm. But the thing is, you got to do that anyway in your career. You have to build your career intentionally anyway. So yes, you have to build your business intentionally anyway, right? Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious. Share with us. Share with us when you when you left corporate. When you mm -hmm. left corporate, what was your intent at that time, and how is it different from what you're doing right now? Wow. So I left corporate in 2001-ish, just around about, actually it was around about, um, yeah, it was just after the 2000s. So I, I had moved from one corporate to another corporate and I was doing a contract and that contract came to an end and I had enrolled to study my Master's of Coaching Psychology at the Sydney University and I thought, hmm, I need some extra money just to keep me going while I'm studying full-time because I was planning to take on a full-time load and I went to Starbucks and I said look I can make coffee I'm really good at customer service you know maybe I could work at Starbucks because uh, they had just come into Australia and I interviewed with this fellow and he said oh Ingrid he said we've got this management training program that we think you'd be really good for and so I did I, I decided to study part-time and I did the management training program so my intention was to study and then become a coach or a consultant, mm -hmm. but I got waylaid by this year in um, retail. What, cause, and Starbucks actually is a retail company, not a coffee company. Uh, it is a coffee company, but it's it looks like it's, um, it, it's serving coffee, but it's retail as well. So that actually gave me such an insight into small business. And at the same time, somebody asked me to come and help them with their bookkeeping and it was a small business. And I had thought I would consult back to big companies. I thought I would do what I had been doing because I'd been working in training and development and organisation development and that was why I was studying the Masters was to do, have some more skills and I would go back and be a consultant to big companies. But the two experiences of being the store manager of a small store and then doing this bookkeeping for a small business, I thought, 
oh my gosh, there's this whole world of small business that's amazing. And so that's when I transitioned to small business and I just helped small businesses do what they had to do. So that's where I was kind of in the wilderness for a few years, just responding to what people asked me to do. Oh, can you help us put some processes and systems together? Can you help us with a bit of customer service training? Can you help us with our accounts? Can you explain? So I I just rambled around for a few years doing some contracts, um, having some clients, going to networking and getting more clients. Um, And then I figured I had to get a website. Um, And then I thought maybe I need an email list to send newsletters to people. So I got caught up in all of that stuff, which is now when I got to the point where somebody said to me, we don't know what you do. And that's when I chose a niche. So my intention really when I left the corporate world was to be a consultant back to the corporate world. But I've never gone back to the corporate world. Well, I did once. I had one contract once, did some um, some training and transition, train the trainer training. But, yeah, I haven't, um, yeah. So that, I guess that's why my, my, my intention was quite different. And I am the sort of person who, even though um, I look like I, I have plans and I'm doing things, I'm actually very easily waylaid or distracted if I can see an opportunity over here, that and that, that's what I used to do, whereas now I'm just staying much more focused on what I do because it's it's staying truer to what my you know what the audience that I want to work with is because I truly think that we can we can create enormous success for every business for everybody who wants to start a business if we help them with those foundations that we help them make good decisions at the beginning so that they actually get started with the right. Um, business set up so that they know what they're in for and that they can go forward successfully because the statistics about business success are pretty awful around the world like it's the same everywhere um, and so I think there, there's a better model I think there's a there is a, a an opportunity where every business can be successful from start to go um, and whatever success is for the person that does it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm. Well it sounds like you, you mentioned the word distracted but when I hear your story it it a distraction seems like there's a negative connotation there, but it seems like, yes, you were responding to people's requests, but at the same time you were preparing yourself so that you can jump on opportunity when you see it. Yeah. There's a lovely quote somewhere about, um, about opportunity and serendipity. And it is, I can't remember whose it is, but it's something along that line of everything you do is just creating you ready for the opportunity to step into um and that's i do feel like that's how i am is that everything adds to that yeah because yes of course you got to be in the right place at the right time but you also have to be the right person in the right place at the right time and you and you also get to create the right right place and the right time as well yeah and i think the same like there's a pivotal moment in my corporate career so i had been working in one um very large manufacturing company in australia and something happened and i chose to leave um actually what happened was i was being paid less money than my male colleague and i asked for a raise and my boss said no that he was being paid more because he had a family to support um and that was his reason for being paid more so that was the end of that relationship for me so i went and found myself another job and it actually was a huge job it was um the two airlines in australia had merged and i was part of a team that was working on the accounting side of merging the profit loss um balance sheet together and it was a huge task when I got there it the job and the people were so different to what I anticipated it was going to be and I cried the whole way home in the bus and I thought oh my gosh I even though I was a bit unhappy over here there's a new set there's a whole new world of you know 
I'm, this isn't really what I had expected. And then the CEO who um, came to work at the company around about the same time I did, a new CEO, he, he held a roadshow or a, a town talk, whatever, you, know, you know, where they bring all the people together, hundreds of the yeah. staff, and he talked about the future and he painted a picture of where we were going. And I said to myself, now I know why I'm here. I'm here to help him make this a better company. And every time I felt any nano anything of frustration with what I was doing, I just reminded myself that I was here to help James Strong make this a better company. And opportunities just presented themselves. So I just did my work. I kept my head down. I, you know, I talked to people. I did what I had to do. And my career in that company was absolutely fabulous. Um, But I Absolutely, every single day I reminded myself <clears throat> that I was there to help James make this a better company. And we did eventually, you know, it, was, it took a long time. But, um, you know, I think it's, you can, you can have an idea of um, how it is and you can feel like you were saying before about escaping from something. And if you have a, a future intention that is, you're not distracted, you're taking opportunities when they come along. And if you really know what your core is, and that was my core, was to help him make this a better company. That's and right. um, yeah. So that's fantastic. I love it. Oh, that. it was fabulous. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, you you aligned with the company's mission and you aligned with his vision. And that's where you can really see the purpose of for you at that moment, right? And now that you're a business owner, you create your vision for your business and you create the mission for why you started the business and then you're aligned with that. And you see, so it's it's a beautiful story of how you've always been so on point in being aligned, in being aligned and being in purpose and on purpose. Yes. That's awesome. And I was listening to Simon Sinek talking um, recently. He has a new book. Um, I don't know if you've heard him talking about it. And he's talking about sometimes people themselves um, don't have a vision for themselves. Like they have their why, but ne- not necessarily they're able to create a big vision for themselves. But you can align yourself to other people's visions. Yeah. You know, so aligning yourself to, you know, wanting to be environmental, wanting people to have success. You know, there's there's other big visions that we can align ourselves to. And then how does how does that work for us? You know, and that's what we used to do, you know, when I think of my work at Qantas, we had some customer service standards. But that was different if you were a front office person or if you were a baggage handler or if you, you know, it's like, okay, here's the big vision. How does that play out in my little business? And it plays out like this, you know, and it, it's about making the world a better place. Yeah. It hasn't really changed that much really. Yeah, exactly. If you're working for someone else and you're not an entrepreneur, you don't have your own business. Exactly. Your company has a mission and a vision and a purpose for there. And if it aligns with your values and you're interviewing for them, for example, one thing you can say is, yes, I want to work here because I align with that vision. Yeah, and that's why leadership is so critical, you know, and I think having worked over the years for people who were incredibly good leaders, um, you know, that is a real thing for people is, you know, like if you've never experienced that, you don't know what it's like. But, you know, mm, mm. so how would you how would you how did you identify a good leader? How would you identify that person is a good leader? What are some things that you see about them or what, you know, things that they're doing, they're saying that you would say, yes, that person is a good leader. 
I think congruence, authenticity, um, so congruence with their authenticity and their honesty. So if they have a set of values, that they are congruent to that. And if those align to mine, you know, because there's lots of people who've got different values and they're very congruent to them, but they're not my set of values. So that they might be a good leader for their own people, but that's not my leader. Um, So I think it has to be values alignment. Um, And there has to, for me, I look for the evidence that they are congruent with that. So, you know, somebody might be saying, um, you know, kind and compassionate, but in the back room they're yelling at people or they're, you know, like, or they're being disrespectful. If, if people say, yes, respectful, but then in their actual behaviour they use a particular tone of voice or they, you know, they um, dismiss people or, you know, there's behaviours that are incongruent with, um, with what they say. And that's hard to observe for, um, you know, if you're just a, because at that stage, you know, in that organisation, I was a little cog in that 35,000 people. So the only way I got to see him in his um, was for for the town hall meetings, for him to hold these meetings on a regular basis. And then that trickled down through the managers. So, you know, how do you get access to the leader in the business? Um, You know, because that's, if you're only one of hundreds of thousands of employees, it's hard to know what the leader stands for. And so that's why the leadership is so important to be able to communicate that. So that's another aspect of that is how do they get themselves out there? Mm. That is, yeah, that's right. And of course, now that you're a business owner, you're a leader yourself in your own business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I like to lead by example. So, you know, if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. You know, I, I produce a podcast regularly. I produce an email newsletter regularly. Um, I answer people's emails myself. You know, there's a few things that are really important to me as a business owner that, um, that I do that will not be outsourced or will not be automated because um, it's too important to me. Mm-hmm. So tell me how important it is to you to, like you 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 have you have a business you've started a business you've been in business for a long time right I mean I mean I've I we've talked and and I'm just love what you do and I respect what you do right and as, and you've been a leader a, a female leader a strong female leader for a long time right a lot of clients have come and they've talked to you they read your books as well a lot of them have started business from your businesses from your systems and your processes that you laid out right. So what's, how important to you, how important is it, is it to you to scale your business, your own business? That is such a good question because that's probably one of the things that I'm, um, that's the next project. I've, I've been counting down to um, we're coming to the end of this decade and we're moving into, well, technically we're not though because 2020 is actually technically the last year of the decade. True. But anyway, let's just say it's the end of the decade. Sure. Okay. Um, and as we go into the 20s now is that that's my question. Do I want to scale to a point where I reach more people you know, by having big events or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, I think my book is one of the ways that I've scaled is that I get random letters from people who have read my book. I get emails from, uh, emails I mean, I get emails from people who've um, listened to my podcast. So I think the scaling for me is partly around that. Now, the next project that I'm considering is having some kind of full program that's sort of like eight months or seven months because um, I have seven steps in the book it's sort of like an eight month program where we work through all the steps together and have a cohort of people and we do that by live webinars over a period of time I have like a one intake for that and have everybody working together and that's a big commitment and I do think the way the world is now that sense of community is a strong thing that people look for so mm-hmm. having a cohort of people to work together 
in getting ready to start a business over that period of time. Um, it could, that could be something that I'm thinking about. But the way I get scale is through um, the media like this, through talking to people, through attending other people's events, speaking at conferences. Um, yeah. Okay. What are you up to? It's a different like- type of scale. It's a different, sorry, it's a different type of scaling to what I think, you know, when you think of um, a, a business, you know, scaling to multiple, multiple, multiple um, clients. Mm. Sorry. What, what was, what would you mean? Sorry, scaling to multiple, multiple clients. Well, there's a lot of people want to scale their business and have a lot more clients. So mm. um, I think um, people who want to work one on, so I can only work one on one with so many people from that point of view. Okay. Um, and I've never done much group work. I've done physical group work, but I haven't done much. So this that would be the next opportunity for scaling for me would be to have something that's a group approach. So, you know, 20 or 50 people in a group together working through what I normally do one-on-one with people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, that would be the scaling for me. Um, mm. Okay, okay. What what are you optimistic about? I mean, you heard you heard the discussion about oh, the future of work is going to be so different. The future landscape for business is going to be so different. All these platforms that are available for us to do marketing and communications is going to be so different. So, what are you optimistic about in in the future of work? I'm optimistic about people, actually. I really am. And the truth is, you know, robots are going to take our jobs. That's been around since the 80s. So, you know, working in the 80s and 90s, there was always this, the future is going to be automated. And there are a lot of things that have been automated. But, you know, I really do wonder if the opportunity and what I feel optimistic about is people really want connection. People still want to feel important to the company or the business that they're working with whether it's buying their coffee in the morning whether it's in the supermarket whether it's you know um, learning at a university or learning through you know um, any other forms of learning because really what what we do is it's a form of teaching and education and I think you know as things get more and more technical the high, it's that high tech, high touch, the high touch becomes more and more important. And I think if people are good at empathy, if people are good at customer service, if people are good at client relationships and communications, I'm enormously optimistic for anybody who wants to give something a go, um, have a, have, that's a very Australian expression, I think, give something a go, um, but, you know, have, a, have the opportunity to do something. The, the, the world is everybody's oyster if they actually want, whether it's to stay in a career. And honestly, I think corporate world, working for somebody else is a terrific solution for people. Um, and I'm optimistic to that as well. I think there's people who... Um, you know, that maybe that, that won't always be, you know, dump the nine to five. You know, there's actually honour in the nine to five. There's a lot of really good people do really good work. And, and we couldn't exist without that. You know, we wouldn't have airlines. We wouldn't have banks. Yeah. You know, we need people to do what those people do um, because otherwise we wouldn't have the sorts of infrastructure. We need police and ambulance drivers. And these are all employees. And, you know, they're good people and they're doing good work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely couldn't agree because the businesses that we are talking about building and growing and scaling are oftentimes built from them and built with them, you know, with their help. Yeah. <laughs> so we, so it's, it's really interesting, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. And so that's what I mean. We, as, as entrepreneurs, we tout the, oh, leave your nine to five, start a business if you're sick and, uh, sick and tired of your boss and you're burned out, start a business. But at the same time, I think it's so important not to have d- disdain 
over being employed at a company yeah. or at a startup or at a nonprofit. It's important that yeah. we don't have, we don't hold disdain towards it. That, I love that word, disdain, yes. It's, yes. And, and I think there's a little bit of that, you know, oh, I'm just an employee. You know, it's like, hmm. no, you valuable person doing stuff. But that's what can happen in a job, though, I think, is that people can feel like they don't learn. People can feel like they don't have opportunities, that they just come in and do the same thing over and over. Well, there's a bit of that in business, too. There's lots of repetitive stuff in your own business. <laughs> it's not all... <laughs> rainbows and and unicorns (laughs) it's it's true but that's the thing most business owners don't slow down long enough to find the leverage that they can have in their business and that Mm. is a whole conversation i can have with you about that (laughs) another hour-long conversation around scaling and growing a business now right yeah yeah and some businesses are really designed for more scale you know, if you if you think of Tony Robbins, Anthony Robbins, so he started, you know, with smaller groups and with, um, you know, just doing his fire walk and having a two-day seminar. And then, you know, 25 years later or 30, because I went to what his first one in Sydney was in the early 90s. So here we are, you know, 30 years later and his audiences are huge. He has mastermind, you know, like that business has grown over 30 years yeah. to that. And, you know, that's because that's what he wanted. And there's probably people who started their business 30 years ago that are still working with the same clients they were working with or the same number. And success is so different to, and scale is so different to so many people. It is. Oh. But but here's the thing. Most business owners and just just like career-driven individuals, they think about the, ta- the tactics and the strategies and they stop there. But there's one higher level to thinking and that's business models. It doesn't matter Mm. if you're working for someone or you have your own business. You have to get past the strategy level thinking into what's the business model. How is that going to make me money? And is it sustainable? And is it predictable and consistent? Right. Yeah. And that's, of course, it's a whole new conversation again that I can have with you in another <laughs> another another hour or two. But I <clears throat> but I'm curious. I'm curious. So I I've started working with you know educated career driven women. You know, I have a new program for them to help them to to be more, to have more, to earn more, and to love more, right? Mm. And it's for their career or their business, right? So it's yeah. for, for, right. And as women, as women, we have unique challenges in the marketplace, right? We have unique challenges. We have unique things that we face internally and externally as well. We have unique challenges that we face. And I guess my 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 question to you is, if you could share with us, if you if you've encountered those in your career. You know, well, in, in my career, um, I, it was a couple of things both ways. So I was working in, I was a relatively new employee um, at a sugar refinery. I was doing the accounting at a sugar refinery and there was a golf day, a um, corporate golf day coming up. And my commercial manager said to me, Ingrid, golf day, you're included. Um, you know, we, we need to get there at six o'clock in the morning and, you know, you'll be looking after these clients and that. I couldn't play golf, but he assumed I could. And I thought that was fabulous. I've always felt that was a fabulous thing because he just assumed I could play golf. He didn't think because I was a girl I couldn't play golf or he didn't think because, you know, it was just, for me, that was, I was just treated like a normal person. I was one of the team. We were all going to go to this golf day. So I had to get myself down to the classes and get myself some golf classes so that I could actually play for the golf day. (laughs) I didn't know how to play golf. And I actually ended up loving it. But then that same company but a different division was the one that I left because I found out how much my colleague was being paid because I was given 
access to the payroll. I had to process the payroll in my role um, and that's when I found out how much my colleague was being paid. And when I went and said, look, the work I do and the work he does, it's so similar and, you know, from value point of view and yet he has a company car and he's paid this much, can we talk about how much I'm being paid? And that's that wasn't something that could be considered. It was kind of a legacy thing for him. But apart from that, he had a family and um, that was why he needed more money in the car. And so, you know, I feel there's times when, um, you know, I have felt that being female like that, um, having a male colleague being paid more, and we know that pay inequity is one of the things um, for women, um, in business, and I've just heard a beautiful example this morning, um, somebody that I know very well has a terrific business and she's been studying through our local university um, for the entrepreneurship school and they had their awards night last night or the night before and they had, um, it was for the, it was an evening event and the university set up a pop-up crèche so that all people who were in the course could bring their children and so the event was from six till eight and at eight o'clock she rushed over to grab her children and he said no 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 there's another hour because it's so important for you to go now and network with Mm. the investors and to go and so I think you know you asked me before what I'm optimistic about I'm optimistic that there are people who realize Mm. that we are all in business and we whether we're parents or we're not parents we need that sort of support so you know, I think, um, I'm not sure if that answers your question, <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I really don't feel like I've been discriminated against a lot in my career. I, I, there was that one example um, and I, you know, I pretty much, because I work hard, you know, I, um, I, I love what I do. I, you know, I'm a team player. I'm, I was never somebody in the corporate world who wanted to be in charge of anything. I was a very good second lieutenant, you know, and a good leader needs a second lieutenant. So, you know, I, I'm in the team, I'm like that. Um, I'm often the good cop against somebody else's bad cop. Um, <laughs> that works really well for me as well. Uh, and, you know, and, and you know, there's a, there's a kindness and an authenticity and an empatheticness about me. Um, but I also can be tough, but I'm smart. And so I see things quickly and I understand things and I can make things um, easy to understand. So, you know, you know, I had a very senior role, but I was a very young person um, in a hotel chain. And I used to have to explain the finances to these very senior managers. And some of them just didn't get it. But, you know, it was my job to make sure they did. Um, and so, you know, you develop those skills and you develop respect from that. So whether I was a male or a female, that's, you know, what I, I was just good at what I did. So, you know, it didn't show up so much for me. Yeah. Mm. But in business, you know, I think there's a lot of people. I just interviewed somebody for my podcast yesterday um, and she said one of her challenges is she looks very young and so and she's blonde. And she said, you know, as a when she's presenting to people on stage, you know, they sort of think, what's this child doing on the stage? You know, so, <laughs> so you know, and I think for women, you know, um, you know, how we present ourselves is so important in terms of, um, you know, how we're taken because those looks nanosecond I mean you know more about this than I do with your um, neuroscience work but just that that what happens in that first absolute instant how people perceive us mm-hmm. yeah I, th- I think as women we do have and it's a bit controversial we do have some responsibility as how we present ourselves yeah. it's true I mean we talk about talk about reputation right you have a reputation as a business owner as an as, a, as an employee career or business you have a reputation but most yeah. people leave it to accident 
They, mm. they, it comes by accident and they're known for something. And lo and behold, they don't know that that's what they're known for, but they want to be known for something else. So that's what I mean. And part of my training is always sharing that you have to take control of your own reputation. And yeah. you can. it doesn't mean that you can control people's thinking and, and make them say certain things, but you can certainly influence it. You right. certainly can. Yeah. And I don't know, have you um, done any work with Johari's window? The, the, um, so it's a wonderful, I've just sent it out to um, my um, newsletter list and I've had some really interesting responses about it. It's there's these quadrants where it's this, the information that's known to you and it's known to other people and there's information that's known yeah. to other people but not known to you. So that's that idea of what 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 is your reputation out there. That's and it's it. a really interesting exercise to do to find out um I've never done that one myself or recommended it. But what I do recommend is being so bold as to ask someone, mm. you know, ask someone and then give them permission that you're not going to take it personally. There's no repercussion, you know, and just create the space for them to, to tell you honestly. And uh, I think the I, thing that I like about the Johari window for people who might be very apprehensive with what you just said <laughs> is that the original, the original, um, was it developed in the, Oh, a long time ago anyway I can't remember exactly I should know because I've only just been doing some research on it but um, we used to use it a long time ago in the corporate world but there's a list of adjectives and people are asked to circle four or five that that are the words that they would use to describe you so there's quite an extensive list and it just gives oh. people um, and I used to when I used to do it I used to add my own words to see if anybody you know which <laughs> see how accurate your reputation well, yeah, you this is what I think about me what do you think about me <laughs> yeah I, I know what you mean it, it's it kind of resembles the culture index Yes, yes. The, the culture index where hmm. the adjectives oh that's amazing so Ingrid have you ever have you ever encountered have you ever met someone who wanted to work with you because they wanted to start a business and then upon kind of like the first conversation you had with them or maybe the second or third conversation you advised no I don't I don't think you should start a business like has that ever happened Yep it has right I, Well I think they realize it themselves okay. I I don't know that I've ever had to say to somebody and that's where um you know if we cycle back to what I was saying about making good decisions, I think I have ways of helping people bring that information to light themselves. And, you know, that's where if somebody is thinking about a flower shop, you know, like go work in a flower shop and, you know, let's have a, you know, see if we can get some work experience, even just go hang out in a flower shop all day and see what, you know, what happens um, and then come back and we'll have a conversation about how you feel about that and the sort of, you know, so I think it's bringing it, to light that um, maybe it's not for them, but something else might be. And I've had what what's worked. What I have found has happened found has happened more for me is that somebody has thought that they wanted to start a business right now. I'm going to set up shop, uh, put my shingle out, all of that kind of thing. And once we start working, oh, maybe I'm going to have to wait a little bit longer. Maybe I need to do a bit more preparation. Maybe I need to save a little bit more money. Maybe I need to work a little bit more on my avatar and I'll start the business in six months' time. And I have many, many people who have delayed that start and gone on to have really successful businesses. And I think that's, 
you know, that's where being a little bit more practical and a little bit more grounded and let's, okay, let's have the flurry of excitement and you can still be really excited Mm -hmm. and let's just put our feet on the ground and, (laughs) you know, we can have our head in the clouds, but let's keep our feet on the ground as well. Mm. Yeah, I definitely have had similar experiences with clients who say they want to change direction and yeah, similar experiences. So for me as a coach and as a consultant, as a career mentor, the most difficult thing for me is like the most challenging thing for me is that I believe in my clients, right? I I believe in them, but I cannot get them to believe in themselves. I can't, I can't do that for them. No, no. For me, that's the hardest thing. What about you? What is the hardest thing for you about being a coach? Well, it's interesting you say that because one of the things that I find um, challenging is people's belief that they're not good at numbers. And so um, because my business is called Healthy Numbers, I love to really talk to people about their finances, how much it's going to cost them to run their business, how many clients they're going to need in order to be able to have a business, to pay themselves, to pay for everything else. Um, You know, what what sort of numbers of people People do they need to talk to in order to have leads, in order to have um, clients, you know, all of that sort of thing about numbers. I'm not good at numbers. So there's this mindset that people have that says I'm not good at numbers. And I find that I have to um, hold myself back from going, yes, you are. Um, (laughs) Because the truth is everybody is good at numbers. You know, we get on the scales and we weigh ourselves. You know, we count how many grey hairs we've got. You know, we (laughs) We know the ages of all our kids. We know our own age. We know the birth date, you know. Yeah. So we're actually really good at numbers. We know how much things cost at the supermarket. You know, you know, you get to the end of the, the supermarket and you've got a trolley and you know it's around about $150 or, you know, you're like, we are so good at numbers. But somewhere along the line, people have told us that we're not good at numbers or we've come to believe that we're not good at numbers. And that that's that's one of my things that, you know, I secretly behind the scenes I'm working on, you know, <laughs> shifting everybody's perspective about numbers. But I, it's to me it's that where did that come from? When someone says to me I'm not good at numbers, it's oh, where did that come from? You know, who taught you that? Be- I can say something about that. <laughs> that's for sure. Where that came from, I can say something about that. <laughs> Sorry, continue, continue. No, no, go. Tell us. <laughs> no, it does. It, it, but it's a belief that a lot of women have. You never hear men say it. Or if you do, it's rarely. But it's something that women say. And that goes back to your question about women and business and careers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the people who are successful in careers are the ones that have the numbers. You know, it's it's often the finance people that have the fast track to the CEO role. I mean, sometimes the marketing people do and the sales if they're particularly good. But it's a salesperson who's got the real grip on the numbers. Um, you know, when you look at people progressing. So the numbers are important. And, you know, as women, that's we're good at numbers. We're very good. We're much better financial managers. We're much better at managing our own personal finances. But, you know, that's not how the media portrays us. That's amazing. Well, Ingrid, I really appreciate everything that you've shared, all the wisdom and and your honesty as well, transparency. I really appreciate it. (laughs) I'm excited there at the end of my Any any final any final words of advice you can share for listeners and viewers who might be listening to this and saying, Well, I'm at a crossroads right now in my career. You know, I've had a good career. Uh, I've had decent pay. 
I've had all the benefits. I've had successes. I've experienced all of that, but I know there's more, right? I know there is more and, but I don't know how to get there. So, mm. You know, what advice do you have for, for listeners with that? Well, firstly, if, if the listeners have been listening to Dr. Grace, then you are in very good hands because if there's someone who's going to help you with your career transition, um, seriously, follow what Dr. Grace is talking about because, you know, she's, in all the years that I've worked with different people, you know, honestly, and I'm not just saying, honestly, I think, you know, what you're doing in the community is is enormously valuable, helping people really see, um, you know, where they are and what they're doing. I it, Find a why. Find why and what it is that you, what you're doing. And it doesn't have to be huge. You know, that, that, for me, when the when you know James Strong described where we were going as an airline, and I knew I was just there to help, just there. I was there to help him make it a better company. That's not a big vision. That's not a big complicated. Mm-hmm. It's just you know align yourself to something and then do the work. You know, do what it is. And um, sometimes questioning too much um, is you know it, that it can leave us even more unsettled and you know so follow follow that why follow that what is your reason for existing um if it's to help people it is to help people um and then find your people and help them and then do everything you can to help them and if it's to you know build an empire and money's not a driver i know we need money um and money's important and, you know, making lots of money is a nice thing because it allows us to help other people, it allows us to be philanthropic, it allows us to have an impact in the world. Um, so, you know, money's, money's a good thing if it's used, you know, when it's used for good purpose. But, you know, it's not the only reason to be in business. It's not the only reason to have a career um, because it's just a thing. It's just a means of exchange, really. It's it's. Money isn't anything. You know, trees are things and flowers are things and people are things. Uh, people are real. Money's just a thing. So, um, yeah, so I'd say just find that why. What is it that you really want to do? And get help if you can't. You know, Dr. Grace, um, you know, there's lots of read my book if you are thinking about a business. It'll give you some of the ideas. There's activities to do. Um, it help you sort of map out some of the um, you know, what is your idea for a business? Who does that serve? What is it that they need? Yeah. yeah awesome. Just get clear. Just, you know, spend some time and think. Um, and get off Instagram and Facebook. Stop wasting time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And listen to podcasts instead, right? Listen, yeah, yeah. Listen to podcasts instead. Pick a couple of really good podcasts and follow them through for a few episodes and that will lead you to other podcasts and, yeah. Fill your mind up with happiness and joy and well-being and and goodness um, and stay away from the news and, (laughs) yeah. What's next for you, Ingrid? What's next for you in your business? Well, what's next for me is is this choice about setting up something that's going to be a group. Like you said, you know, you're working with a group of women. um, Yeah, having having a group um, approach. And um, I'm speaking at a couple of conferences next year. I really enjoy speaking on stage. And, um, you know, that whole thing about decision-making, I think, you know, that there's something I can craft out of that that is really around decision-making. And for me, you know, I have a very nice life. Um, We have cats. We live near the beach. Not at the beach, but we live near enough to the beach. 
<laughs> so for me, it's always important to have time for yoga and Pilates and some surfing or just in the surf, um, time for my friends, time for my family. Yeah, just always being able to balance that um, appropriately. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next 10 years. I, the 20s are going to be fantastic. The 1920s were fantastic, and I think the 2020s are going to be just as fantastic. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom as well and for sharing with us all that you have. Thanks, Dr. Grace. Thanks, everybody, and um, all the best for your futures for the 20s. <laughs> Take care.